0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Toddler Purgatory. I'm Molly, one of your hosts. Hello, hello, and I'm Blair. The other one. So today, in this good old episode, we're talking about... This is the age-old question. <laughs> <laughs> right? what is the hardest toddler age? Oh, yes.
1: Goodness.
0: goodness. This was inspired by a thread on the What Fresh Hell Facebook page. A listener named Amanda writes, Hi, new friends. My daughter is turning three in one week and her nearly overnight transition to mob boss monster (laughs) is complete. It would really help me rebuild my soul, I hear that, (laughs) to hear from other parents that this is normal and it really does pass and that maybe one day there is hope that she will be my sweet baby again or just not a mob boss. I'll take what I can get.
1: Oh, Oh, Amanda. Oh, Amanda. Oh, we feel you, girl. We feel you, girl. I feel you because I've gone through the same thing just in recent weeks. And As a parent of a five-year-old and a a newly minted three-year-old. Yeah. I live with a mob boss. There's more out there than you think. And I think they have their own like secret
0: connection. Oh, you mean mob? Mob. The entire mob of three-year-olds. Well, you know that, Blair, you are not alone and neither is Amanda. The answer I saw most in this Facebook thread was literally the word solidarity. Mm -hmm. Solidarity. You know, and that's why we're here, Toddler Purgatory, is to remind us all of that. Because you feel like you're awash in uh, (laughs) a bog, and you can't move your feet because of the muck under the water, and you're just going to be stuck in this place forever. Forever. With the howling wind and the setting fog. (laughs) But you're not. You just reach those arms out, and there we are. And this community. But one of the answers was from Caitlin, and she wrote, my first was 98% unicorn baby. Sweet. From birth through two. Oh, remember those ages. Remember those years. Boy, are they cute. She says, we bypassed the terrible twos, that's good, and hit three hard with lots of 3 nagerness. She never went back to sweet baby unicorn. Nope, not baby unicorn, unicorn baby. (laughs) I don't believe she birthed a unicorn, a unicorn baby. She never went back to sweet unicorn baby and still instigates with her brother, but has been amazing through this whole pandemic and is a pretty awesome kid. And I think Caitlin hit on something which really rang true for me, which is that she never went back to sweet unicorn baby. Like... That's the problem. We think it's Mm going to go back. Mm -hmm. Like you think to yourself, oh, this is just like a boomerang of behavior that's going back. But when it returns, that boomerang will look the same. Everybody, your boomerang is gone. It's not a boomerang. It's just a boom. It's a stick. (laughs) It's a rang. (laughs) And that's the thing is that, and I think I had that really struck true for me because I think I had that too. Mm -hmm. We didn't have two bad, terrible twos. Not that I remember, unless my brain pushed it out as it does to cope. But- I don't think twos were that bad. Some, you know, wild things here and there. But in essentially, he kind of dealt with that the age two pretty well. Three, I do remember that was the beginning of Meltdown Town. That was when we moved into a home on Meltdown Street in Meltdown Town, Ah, ah, ah. which I think we still summer at. We still go there sometimes. Still go there. Still go there. Yeah. Yeah. We're five and a half here in my household. My son's five and a half. So I think that's the thing, is that's hard about this is not only is this a transition period for your kids, it's also a transition period for you to say goodbye to that baby. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. That's another part of it too, Molly,
1: is that we want our babies to come back and we want us to come back. Mm -hmm. And we're just consistently shifting and changing, and we have to give ourselves Mm -hmm. space and grace for that. And the more we do that, the less these like, you know, turn in attitude and behavior, I think we will just be less on us because like once you accept the challenge, right, you accept that things aren't going to go back to the way they are or you accept that change is necessary for growth. Yes. Then it's like, all right, cool. All right. All right. Here we are.
0: I think you're right. And I think you're right about space and grace as well because – when you have a unicorn baby, you have that sweet 15-month-old and you bring them to the children's museum and everybody oozes and ahs, you feel like a great parent. You're like, I'm doing well. You do. Oh, so well behaved. I, thank you. I'm really nailing this parent thing. And then when they hit that stage where they're pushing you and challenging you and having such incredible outbursts of frustration, you start to doubt yourself as a parent. Heck Yeah what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? I must be doing something wrong. Nobody else is doing this wrong. I am. Mm-hmm. And that's a very isolating feeling. I was about to say Meltdown Town in
1: Isolationville.
0: Yes. <laughs> Which is really like a sort of a neighborhood in Meltdown Town. It is. Great schools in that neighborhood. <laughs> nice cul-de-sac. Great place to ride your bike. <laughs> yes, it's very true. We talk a lot about you know, how to cope with these kids. And we'll talk more in this episode about how to cope with these kids, you know, kind of wildly fluctuating behaviors and emotional outbursts and dealing with all these new things in their developmental stage. But we just have to remember that, as we always say, in the title Purgatory Family, you are not alone. You are not alone. And it's just a season. Yeah. It's just a season. This too shall pass. It will. I must say that
1: my three-year-old, you know, it's like the dichotomy of Three, like two and three is such a cute age.
0: Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. They they still have like puffy cheeks. They're like still cutie patooties. And they got the tiny voices and they still don't
1: make sense, but they make sense. It's just so cute. Yeah. But at the same time, just the will that is enforced upon you is insane. And I think that the universe does that on purpose. Yeah, You know, like gives you that cuteness, but then it's it's like, all right, hang on to this because the demon is coming. (laughs) (laughs) So you can like hang on to that little tiny cute little puffball for a second while this like demon comes in there. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like that's like thrown in there for to save our souls just a teeny
0: tiny bit. Well, I think you're right. And also the first 18 to 24 months of cuteness. Like, I remember just taking pictures. I still adore my son, and I, and obviously, and I also know that he's cute. However, it's different. Like, that puffy cheeked, sweet falling asleep in your arms thing when they're, you know, a year old or whatever. I remember taking pictures of that, and I don't know, always thinking it was going to be like that. I don't know. And I look back at it now, and I'm like, that was quick. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I can't believe that's not happening anymore. My husband just said to my son yesterday, We're talking about how time flies. Oh, we were explaining a figure of speech, not time flies. But oh, we were telling him about how parents say the days are long, but the years are short because time flies so much. (laughs) It blew his mind. It was like, why are we trying to explain this to him? He was like, the years are short? I thought years were young. I only get my birthday once a year. It's a long time away. That's a long long time away. And I was like, I know, I know. It's sort of this thing. Like, we're just talking about how time passes quickly. Like, look at you. You're five years old. And my husband said something like, but you'll still be our little baby. And of course, he like immediately like dropped on on the ground. It's like, go, go, gaga and started acting like a baby. <laughs> and I wanted to say, but you don't realize that is what you looked like. You were so cute. And, you know, in a just a different way. You know, and one of the, our listeners, Rachel, on that Wet Fresh Hell Facebook thread said that, she said, I have a hard time with the phrase, it gets better. Right. I prefer it gets different. Rachel, say that for the people in the back. Yes. It gets different. It gets different. It's not necessarily better or worse. It gets different. In some ways, you know, when they pass through, like you said, this season of temper tantrums or wild outbursts or need for control... You know, it is a relief when they come out of it, but don't worry. There's something right around the corner that's also going to be challenging. (laughs) Right? Don't worry.
1: It's like, you know, like when they're like newborns. I don't know if you did this, Molly, but I would shove my nose uh, inside my kid's mouth because that sweet baby breath would just send me to
0: places that my heart never knew. Oh, I would have had a letdown. I would have just started squirting milk. (laughs) But I used to do that all the time and I just look like, oh, that just that, oh, and all
1: the things that come with it. Yeah. And the other morning, my son was all like groggy. He like got up and I was like, oh, come here, buddy. And I was like holding in. And I was like, let me just put my nose in your mouth. like I used to. And let me tell you, not the same. It was different. <laughs> it was different. It was Different. It was just as good to hold him and have him there and cradle him. But the stench that emitted from his little tiny body out through his open orifice was very different from the sweet milk breath that he had as a newborn. So it didn't get better. It just got different. It's real different.
0: (laughs) Oh, gosh. We hung out together this weekend. I live in Pennsylvania and Blair lives in New Jersey. And our two five and a half year olds... Lost their minds. Wild. Wild. They barely said hello. They haven't seen each other since they were nine months old. We live pretty far (laughs) from each other. But I think like having talked a few times over Zoom and just being aware of each other and seeing each other's pictures and stuff, it kind of felt like they already knew each other. And our connection. And our connection. We have a very strong connection. So when Blair's son and husband and daughter came home, it was like somebody blew up a balloon and then just let it go. Like, rah! It was so funny. You all would have laughed very hard. They didn't even speak to each other. Nope. They just started running and screaming. They did not have a conversation like, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. How are things in in Pennsylvania? Great. Jersey's great. It was like,
1: ah! Bang,
0: bang, bang, bang. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wearing masks and oh, it was so funny. And you know, and that got different too. Like when we used to get little babies together for parallel play you know, under the age of two and you saw them in the sandbox uh. and, you know, take pictures of your friend's baby and you, your baby. And it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And now it's just, I, did we take any pictures, Blair? We took one and Blair's face was like, in <laughs> the picture was like,
1: <laughs> help me. Help, help me. <laughs> How do we turn them off?
0: <laughs> but we had a blast and it is different. It's just a different kind of blast, you know? Yeah, because before... When you're like in the playground and like whatever, and your kids are just like, you know,
1: crawling around. Oh, gosh, cute. You just got your coffee in your hand and it's just like, and you're able to like talk at like a, you know, a normal volume. Oh, hmm. As opposed to me and Molly, we're, like at a, sitting outside of a restaurant, and we're like,
0: Watch out! Can we take it down? There's a baby over there! Sip a beer. Hey! You don't all need to be on the Adirondack chair at once! Get down! Put the rocks down. Oh, the Put rocks. Put the rocks down. Oh, the rocks. Sip a beer. <laughs> Speaking of challenging behaviors, rocks. Rock. Oh, when we get back from break, we are going to talk about these ages, these terrible twos, these three-nagers, and of course, the 4 nados, <whistles> and talk about what the heck is going on in their tiny little brains, and what can we do <laughs> about it? How can we best assist them and ourselves with getting through these somewhat challenging times?
2: Stick around. It's January. And for me, that means New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you, but eating more healthy foods is always on the top of my goal list. Eating healthy is now easier with Hungry Root. And right now, Hungry Root is offering toddler purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Hungry Root makes it easy to eat healthy. They support all the major diets and lifestyles, including gluten-free, vegan vegetarian, dairy-free, low carb, and others. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh high-quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. I love that Hungry Root recommends recipes and groceries based on my taste. I like to take their suggestions, and I always love what I get. My favorite are their burritos. I can quickly heat up a burrito and have lunch with no hassle. Right now, Hungry Root is offering toddler purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash toddler to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com/toddler. Don't forget to use our link so they'll know we sent you. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can
3: trust. When you choose stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on
4: file.
1: Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory. Or Podler Turgatory. I mean, sometimes that's what it is. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking about what age is possibly the worst age. (laughs) What (laughs) age? The hardest. The the hardest age to uh, deal with these uh,
0: childrens of ours. And why are these ages so difficult? Exactly. We'll start with the terrible twos. There is so much going on for these two-year-olds. In the Mayo Clinic article, they say, two-year-olds undergo major motor, intellectual, social, and emotional changes. Their brains are changing and growing so, so much. And the other big thing, which... I am so identifying with, is children at this age can understand much more speech than they can express. Oh, isn't that the truth? Yes. And that says, a factor that contributes to emotions and behaviors that are difficult for parents to interpret. You think? <laughs> you know, do you want more crackers, yiba da, da piddly poops? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> meow, meow, kitty cat, meow, meow. I still don't know. And then can you imagine the person with whom you are most connected, your parent or caregiver... Not getting it. Not being able to understand what you're saying. Oh, gosh.
1: How frustrating. It's like my daughter calling her pants bad guys. Yes. For weeks. Bad guys. I want my bad guys. And I was like, what are you talking about? And
0: I would just like ignore her, right? Yeah, because it sounded like she was... Yeah. Talking about her toys or talking about playtime or whatever. Something that she understood that
1: I didn't that I didn't think was necessary for me to like understand. Yes. And then it was like, I want my bad guys. And it was like, what is this? Turned out it's her
0: pants. No, what did she called her pants bad guys? Still does. But wait, quick question. <laughs> what? <laughs> but like why? Not less what more why? Like, what does she think she was saying pants?
1: Molly. To this day. No idea. I have no clue where it came from or why she calls them bad guys.
0: But she still does. I don't want to wear those bad guys. I wanna wear those other bad guys. Does she think shorts are good guys? Like, is there a scenario here where there's another article of clothing that's better? I tell you this: she doesn't
1: differentiate between her like soft pants, like her leggings. Mm-hmm. Her leggings are bad guys, and then she has jeans. Huh. It's so weird. It's so weird, but there it is.
0: Uh, Write it down because someday she's not going to say it and you're going to be like, what did you use to call your pants? What did you use to call your pants? Yeah, write it all down. Pretty soon I'm going to be the bad guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh dear. Maybe. The other thing (laughs) that's going on is that two year olds are struggling with their reliance on their parents and their desire for independence. Oh, I'm still in that state. (laughs) <laughs> me too I was gonna say it also sounds like me between the ages of 12 and 18 totally like oh my gosh uh, it says they're eager to do things on their own but they're beginning to discover that they're expected to follow certain rules that's it's like a freedom and a you know caging in at the same time all these things <laughs> and they can't talk about it because they don't have speech yet they don't have the words oh they don't have the words yet oh my gosh and it says the difficulty of this normal development, always remember normal, that, normal. can lead to inappropriate behavior, frustration, out-of-control feelings, and tantrums. hmm hmm Yes. Oh, we were there. We were so there. Two, not as much. You know, I think he did okay with his twos, but as he got into his threes, that want for independence and yet can't walk up the stairs, yeah, by himself without holding my hand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. those two things in direct opposition to each other. You can really empathize. You can really empathize with what they're going through. Right. But it's that thing too. That's the thing that
1: no one tells you as a parent, right? And it's also a thing like, did I think that my future kids at 20-something years old, that my future kids would have brain development things that I had to take into consideration? No. I would sit at a restaurant and I would be annoyed that this child is acting a certain way. And I'd be like, "Uh, do something about your child. You know, (laughs) that's really how I spoke when I was 20-something.
0: I'm really glad you've gotten past that stage in your speech development.
1: (laughs) Me too. Me too. That's really (laughs) annoying.
0: But it's that thing that you're like, if you
1: go into it and you don't have that empathy, if you don't have that little grain of knowledge, mm-hmm. that behavior will can really affect your own mental stability. Oh, it pushes so right? many buttons. Pushes so many buttons. And it, it is so necessary to understand so that you can take a breath and be the adult Boo. to say, Boo! <laughs> overrated! So overrated. But to say, okay... This has nothing to do with me. This has everything to do with how this kid's brain is functioning,
0: and I need to like chill. Yeah, that's you know, chill is the perfect way to say it. If you are able to step back and really, and sometimes it's real hard. I get it to remember that this developmental stage is not about you. <laughs> <laughs> what You're right? It's mm-hmm. what it's about this kid's brain growing and changing, and his or her or their need to. Be near you and away from you at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Oh there's a song, I can't remember who sang it, but I will look it up on the break. It goes Mama Don't Leave Me, Mama Let Me Be. Oh, it's a real tearjerker. Oh, okay. We will post the link in the notes. Wow. So like sounds like Joan Baezzy or something. Yeah, it is. It's sort of like singer songwritery, right up my alley. In your alley, actually. We talk about our singer-songwriter. Please give it to me. So that'll help you stay calm. The Mayo Clinic suggests the number one thing you can do is stay calm. Mm. You're also human, so forgive yourself and give yourself space and grace. But do your best to stay calm. Redirect this energy that you're getting from your kid or distract them. I just distract them. Hey, look at this car. What? (laughs) Or whatever. (laughs) They also say you can try ignoring it and may run its course. The other thing is to set yourself up for success. Don't go shopping during nap time. Like this might be a, a season, as Blair said, in your kid's life where you need to really stick with those routines. Really stick with those routines. Set them up for success. Help your kid out. Yeah. If you're setting your kids up for success,
1: you're setting yourself up for success as well. Oh, yeah. Right? Get it. And the success that you get from it mm-hmm. will only like, that's your boomerang, right? That's what, what will keep coming back to you.
0: Good. That's very true, Blair. Really good job also bringing that metaphor back in. Thank you. You are welcome. <laughs>
1: Somehow, today, my brain is functioning
0: quite well
1: this AM.
0: Thank you. You're absolutely right. If the Mayo Clinic agrees, they say if you react with love and respect, you'll get through it, and that love and respect will stay even when that hard season is over. Oof. Yep. So true. Good reminder. But it ain't easy. It's not easy. Listen, but you're not alone. Yeah. You got this. You'll get through this. It'll be different, but you'll get through it. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be different. So as those kids grow into three-year-olds, they start, as I like to call it, they have found their voice. Oh, have they? They have. They're not necessarily to that four and five-year-old stage where you understand like a 100% of what they're saying, but they are finding it easier to express themselves through speech, which is a little easier for them now than when they were two. In an article on Romper.com, a licensed professional counselor named Jamie Malone Who's in New Jersey says three-year-olds and teenagers actually have very similar developmental needs and challenges. Hmm. Primarily autonomy, the process of separation and individuation, which I didn't know was a word, but it is. Individuation, give it to me. Jamie Malone. From the process of separation and individuation from parents is a gradual process from birth until they leave home. That's so true. They continue to acquire skills starting from infancy, you know feeding themselves, walking and moving, communicating all the way up through there when they leave home. But as they gain these abilities, they also learn something else, that they can make decisions. The result is a three-year-old who can add insight and so, so much voice to making decisions ranging from what shirt to wear to their taste in foods. So true. So yeah, as they're gaining speech, they're gaining the idea like "Wait, wait a second, wait a minute. I don't need to have skin on my apple if I don't want it. Oh, take it off or I'm gonna lose it. And the minute you take it off, I'm gonna want it back on
4: the apple again.
1: Yep, yep. That's what's gonna happen just because I'm understanding that I get to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And have some kind of control. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. My daughter now, whenever she uses the bathroom, she asks me to leave to give her space, quote, unquote. Can you? Mommy, can you give me some space? Can you give me some space? Sure, sure. And then she says, as I'm leaving, she's like, Um, and don't smell my poop. like, all right, cool. I will do
0: my best. You need to get like a comically large clothespin to put on your nose in those moments. (laughs) I totally do.
1: But she's like very much wherever she has these pockets of like, I can do this by myself. She's going to tell me. She's going to tell everyone in the family. Yes. I need space. Please go away. Don't do that. And you know what else? This may be a little bit of sidebar, but I have to say this because A, it's on my brain. And B, I think it's really important. You know the thing where people are, everyone says it. Oh, well, this one's feisty. Well, she's a girl. And I'm like, everyone says it, right? I feel like I hear it a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, maybe we were born that way. And it just gets socialized out of us to be feisty and take up space. And demand things for us. Cause I see my child doing that and I look at her and I'm like, you, how do you, you're so good at that. It's annoying, but you're so good at it. But then I'm like, I see how maybe generationally, how societally we just like shove that out of a woman. Of course. And I'm like, oh. So now I have this awareness of her being a teenager, right? But then I'm also trying to be keenly aware that this is a future woman who needs to understand and keep her feet firmly planted and be so successful in rooting
0: for herself always. I love that so much. Part of that comes from her knowing that you are rooting for her as well. She has the support in her family. I am. I want her to show
1: me her ways really and truly. Sometimes I'm just like, damn, this girl has got it together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She is. We've talked about she's going to be the president of the United States someday. Let's hope. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of things you can support that independence and that will that you see in her that you love so much. You can help them in, in making decisions so that they have confidence in the fact that they can. They can. Offer limited options. You don't have to say, open the closet and say, choose a shirt because that's not going to go well. That's not going to Maybe take a couple outfits out, this outfit or this outfit, this red shirt or this blue shirt. So you do have some parameters, but they get that confidence that comes from making decisions about their own life and about what will feel good on their body. Yeah. And also as everything else, like we said with Terrible Twos, just keeping perspective. Jamie Malone says, if the behavior is seen as disrespectful and disobedient, a parent might be more likely to respond with frustration and punishment. But if the parent understands this is just my kid finding their way in the world, there will probably be greater patience and creativity in figuring out how to help your teenager feel confident in their world, which is exactly what you're talking about, Blair.
1: And sometimes it can be hard, though, right? to determine what is this behavior? Are you trying to figure something out? Or are you being disrespectful? Are you being just like, right? It's so hard, but that's where we have to be the adult and pay attention.
0: Mm -hmm. And be the calm and confident leader, which is challenging. Calm and confident, which it is. And
1: especially when you've been doing it all day and all you're doing now is just getting a break, like scrolling on your phone. Me going through the New York times cooking app, trying to find something to make for dinner. Right. Yes. And then it's like, I got my two kids going nuts and it's just like, yeah, but what really is that moment? So you have to like find those times to like pay attention. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's like at that point, you kind of shift into a calm and confident observer. Yeah. And you can't observe if you're hot headed. You cannot. I'm a hothead. I do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> My hot is perennially hot. My hot is perennially hot. <laughs> My head. Forget it. I'm leaving the metaphors to Blair today because she's got them. And then the other one is, of course, tornadoes, or as some people said on the Facebook page, F-U-4s. <laughs> but we're going to stick with tornadoes. So the impression I got is that, you know, hey, they're actual people now. <laughs> they're losing that baby Cheek stimulus of those baby cheeks sometimes. Sometimes they're not. But they're still learning how to cope with big emotions and they're still finding patience. They don't have patience with things. They haven't learned that, how to modulate. What's that word? Modulate. They haven't learned how to modulate their emotions or their reactions to their own emotions. And so, in this article on zero to org, which is actually a pretty cool website, they talk about the fact that tornadoes need to work on self-control. Mm. And so, now you have a kid, a four-year-old, who can really kind of, as we learned is processing speech and also getting like the bigger picture. Do you notice that Blair, that you're yeah. when mm-hmm. your five-year-old was four and when my five-year-old was four, you can really talk to them about concepts and underlying ideas.
1: Yeah. And school has helped with that too. Mm-hmm. A lot. The, like just broadening his horizons and having other, you know, points of view come into his world. It's like, woo.
0: If you have the benefit of, you know, full time daycare or pre K or that kind of thing, yet I believe that you are right. It provides structure. It provides learning from other sources than just their parents. Yeah. Or even play dates. If you're a parent who doesn't have their kid go to those environments, they can still get so much from relatives, from cousins, from play dates, all that stuff. Um. So you can talk about what feelings are and how to cope with them. <laughs> I brought this up to Blair. Where I'm like, yeah, when you're reading a book or watching a movie, you can stop and talk about what the character's feeling. Blair said hard pass. No, thank you. Are you still a hard pass on that? Still a hard pass.
1: We're not stopping this train, especially if I'm A, enjoying the movie, or I got my (laughs) earphones in and I'm getting down on a podcast. No, thanks. While they're watching a movie? While they're watching a movie.
0: Let's not bother them.
1: And let's not bother me.
0: (laughs) If you think I'm pausing Encanto, you're kidding yourself. Out of your mind. I do want to talk about Bruno. I do. I do. (laughs) So maybe that's a tool that's not on your tool belt or that you don't need to necessarily (laughs) use right now. (laughs) Uh, You can also, you know, a lot of this I think is like getting down on their level and talking to them about how you handle big emotions, you know, have empathy and say, hey, listen, let's talk about ideas about how you can manage these strong emotions. Dinosaur Stomp, not just the song by Cuckoo Kangaroo, but also (laughs) the action of Dinosaur Stomp is how what we did. Mm-hmm. I said, you can punch the pillows. You can dinosaur stomp as loud as you want. I don't mind. You cannot. I cannot allow you to punch me in the butt (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) You know, I'm sorry, that is not safe. But here are some safe th- ways for you to channel your emotions. And it really did work. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was probably around age four that we had to redirect those physical things that are coming from strong emotions.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember my nephew used to bite himself. Oh. When he got frustrated. Oh, it was so tough. That's but tough. But you could see it. You could see it in his eyes and you could see it like kind of bubble up and he didn't know where to put it. Mm-hmm. And he just needed to feel it. He needed to feel it. And I was like, oh, I remember like. When I was younger and I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. That's something that they do. That's something that he
0: can't express
1: and he needs to do this in order to just let that out.
0: Yes. Whatever that thing is. And some kids, you know, some kids, it's dinosaur stomp. You know, you have to figure that, help them, like give them some ideas. Some kids genuinely like art it out. They do art. They like draw a picture. Yes. Yes. Of, you know, you getting hit by a tree that dropped from the sky. That's. Fine. That's fine. (laughs) Oh, I mean, was that just me? (laughs) Just kidding. I never did that. But yeah, whatever that thing is. And also a a big thing that they're dealing with right now is in addition to strong emotions is patience and waiting. Oh, boy, is it so hard because you want it now. Now. Right now. And they usually get it. I want the world. And they usually get it. They usually get it. Yes. Yes. Most of the things that they want, they do get immediately. But they can't. So this article suggests give them a visual aid to make waiting easier. Here's a great one that they suggested I never thought of. For instance, when you give them a food that's hot, if the chicken nuggies are hot, or if you give them a thing of oatmeal, maybe you can do something like, oh, let's look at the steam that's coming off of the oatmeal. When that steam goes away, it means it's cool enough to eat. So that's something that they can focus on. And that's a tangible, so to speak, thing to look at. The other thing, of course, is like egg timers. Set the timer. Right. Say, I need 10 minutes to fold the laundry. When this timer goes off Mm -hmm. that you can see in front of you, Mm -hmm. I will be back up from folding laundry. So give them some kind of visual aid. I feel like, Blair, you hate the oatmeal example. But what about the egg timer? you know what I was thinking
1: the entire time? (laughs) It's because I can say that to my child. But then behind me is his father who's like shoving hot food in his mouth. Oh, into his own mouth! <laughs> into his own mouth because he's got no patience when oh, it comes to so food. I'm like, okay, don't use your father as. Just wait, and it's never mind.
0: Maybe your visual aid is a poster board in front of your husband's face. <laughs> the vision—it's like an anti-visual aid. <laughs> Having my husband eat food in his in his room. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, you know, hey, solving one problem may create another one, but we'll deal with that later. We'll deal with that later.
1: Adult versus child. Okay. <laughs>
0: And then the other thing is hopefully stuff you're doing anyway, but for four-year-olds, because they're sort of in that in-between stage where they're actually like, you can do things to help them learn self-control and learn waiting and learn patience. This was a great one. There's ways to help your child practice self-control, including literally playing games, Mm -hmm. like board games, Mm -hmm. because games require turn taking. Yes. And that's great for practicing how to wait and how to share. Yep. I love that. They also said a couple of other ones. They say, roll a ball back and forth. This game gives children the chance to wait and control their impulse to grab the ball from mm, you. Mm-hmm. That's such a simple act that you can work on with your kid. The last thing is, if you're like acting out a story, if you're doing pretend play, that offers many chances to wait, to take turns, and to negotiate as children decide how the story will unfold. Yes. Yes. The ball thing actually
1: works well for my kids. Yeah. Because we often, we fight over things. hmm so it's always like I try to make it a fun thing, right? So it's like, all right, now P gets the ball for five seconds. Let's all count. Oh, yeah. Right. And then oh, we count up, we count down. And it's like, okay, now M gets it and you have it. And we're going to do it for what's your favorite number? Six, six. Now you get for six. And then it becomes. And then, I mean, we don't, we're we not doing it for long because you know me, Molly. I ain't got time for that. I was actually going to say good for you for coming up with that, Blair. I know, right? Sometimes in a moment, I'm just like, Lord God, give me something so that I don't set this house aflame. With
0: my emotions.
1: (laughs) With my emotions. With my head. With my hot (laughs) head. Sometimes my heart gets so hot. So hot. And the universe is like, listen, here you go. Here's some water. Here's some ice cold water. Here's a little game. I'm like, ah!
0: Thanks, girl. Perfect. (laughs) so yeah so the things that you're doing and that they're doing with each other because that's great Blair because you have two kids and they can play with each other all those games they're playing all the pretend play all the open up the Gabby's dollhouse and sharing things and sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't is teaching them the skills that they need they're making that investment for themselves and you're making that for them which is good again
1: not the easiest thing
0: not always but you you got this we'll be right back
3: You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope,
4: possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.
0: We're back, everybody. We're talking about what is the hardest age, or really is there a quote-unquote hardest age? Mm. And I think what we've come up with is like, not really. And we, we can never forget that every kid is so Oh, different. Different. Even though a lot of their developmental yep. phases are similar or can be similar, some kids, you know, sail through terrible twos, make a pit stop in three major, and then, you know, <laughs> have a sabbatical and full-time residency in tornadoville. <laughs> so here you are. Like, every kid is so different. And it is going to be different. It might not get better. It might get different. But it's always going to be worth it.
1: Always worth it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sure. Yeah, and making that investment of love and respect is going to carry through really, you know, hopefully for the rest of their lives. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Love ourselves. <laughs> We're, new to, We're new to this, guys. <laughs> we have five-year-olds. Like, what are we talking about? From the thread that we talked about earlier on the What Fresh Hell Facebook page, Kimberly says that she's a preschool teacher of 11 cuties, eight hours a day. Ooh, God bless. bless Kimberly. you, Kimberly. Yes. <laughs> and she says, I know you're probably doing all this, but here's what works for me. First and foremost, we have fun and take care of each other. If I'm feeling fussy, they are going to get fussy. She says, we are a team. And she says, I can't stress enough the power of logical consequences and empowerment slash independence, which we talked about. Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh, say that again. Say that again. She says, I can't stress enough the power of logical consequences and empowerment slash independence, which we've been talking about. Her example is... If you want to play with the toys, then you must wash hands. Otherwise, stay here. I know you can make the right decision for you.
1: That is it. That is it. I have, I must say, I've changed the way that I parent because I was getting so frustrated all of the time. And I knew that I had to change. And now I make it very clear and very logical, right? I'd do this exact thing. All right. Last night, my daughter was screaming, crying that she couldn't have any ice cream after dinner. I said, well, listen, it's fine. You don't have to eat your dinner. You don't have to, but you will not have ice cream. You have to eat your dinner in order to have ice cream. But if you'd like to make the choice to not eat your dinner, that's perfectly fine. You'll just be hungry and you won't be able to enjoy the treat like your brother is. And do you know, she started shoving broccoli down
0: her throat. Oh, gosh. I love broccoli. I mean.
1: Oh, I love broccoli too. And the way I make it. Come on, girl. Get that broccoli in your mouth.
0: What do you do? Do you roast? What do you do?
1: I steam it. I roast it. Throw a little butter or some olive oil on it. And a little bit of garlic salt. And it's pretty delicious.
0: That's great. I love, oh, I love broccoli. Yes. And I also, in my reading, somebody said the same thing. It can't be a consequence for later which is what I make an error of. Mm -hmm. I say, if you don't blank, whatever it is, then we can't have movie night tomorrow night. (laughs) Because it's not for... They're like, okay, that means nothing. Okay, what is it now? (laughs) Tomorrow night is the same as next month. They don't know. And I just made that mistake, you guys. I just made that mistake in the last three days. Why did I do that? Because I was panicked. Because you're human. And I was angry. Yeah. And so that immediate consequence thing that they can really feel right away. (laughs) And it's a logical consequence. Yes. yes. It's not like if you don't eat your dinner, I'm going to take the toy away. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, not that you would do that, but like, that's just like two things that don't touch, like two things that are not near enough to each other. It has to be a logical consequence in the moment. And in their little tiny brains. Yes. And I love Kimberly, the preschool teacher saying, I know you can make the right decision for you. Mm -hmm. And that's something I learned from Busy Toddler as well. That great Instagram page is, you know, it's kind of about taking risks. And like being able to get over, was it busy toddler or a thousand hours outside? I can't remember. I both, I'm obsessed with both of those, but it was something about getting over a fence or whatever it is. Like if you know it's a risky activity, but they'll be okay, leave it up to yes. them. Yes. Yeah. Do what feels right for your body. And if they say, I'm not going to walk on that six foot fence today. Okay. Cause maybe next week they will, or the week after that, or the week after that, or maybe they'll choose a lower fence and get confident and then go to the higher fence.
1: Oh God, please choose Lord. <laughs>
0: And then the other funny thing I found, Blair, I I got this off parents.com, but it was actually this study was quoted in a few articles from, this is a study from April, 2020 by OnePoll, which is a survey company sponsored by Mixbook, which is like one of those things where you send pictures and then they make a book out of it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. So they sponsored it and it says they found, (laughs) this survey found that the majority of parents think that ages two, three, and four Are a piece of cake compared to age eight. (gasps) What doth befall us, Molly? (laughs) See you in three years. No, thanks. No, thank you. That's when our kids will be eight. What is this? I'm going to mark my calendar. Oh, my gosh. Mark my calendar to be on an island all by myself. Eight. I was going to suggest Tahiti. That's far. Maybe we'll just stick to the Bahamas for a year. I'll be there with you all. Whatever. Just... Thank don't, don't, you. Thank you. Eight. Why eight? Ugh. I don't know. It's just hard. They're like... They're on the cusp of getting hormonal. Oh. They are testing boundaries all day long, but then want to cuddle at night. Oh, my it's, gosh. It almost sounded like it was harder for the parents. Like, the kids will be fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. But the parents are like, stop the ride. I want to get off. <laughs> but you can't get off because you're a parent. Ugh. I know. In this article on parents, they say, it's hard parenting an eight-year-old, but it's hard being an eight-year-old of too. Course. So here's a great lesson for, I think, ages two, three, and four-year-old, the parents of those kids as well. So they say, when possible, choose compassion when your eight-year-old is acting like an eight-year-old. And I think we can apply that to our two-year-old is acting like a two-year-old, sure. three, or sure three years old, four, four years old. Choose compassion as much as you can within the limits of being a human being. Choose being a calm, confident leader who shows love and respect, and that will carry you through this season, and that love and respect will be there in future seasons as well.
1: What about some uh, compassion for a 41-year-old?
0: Yeah. Good question. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> hey, where's the compassion for the parent? Where can it be? Adieu. Adieu. Oh, we have compassion for our listeners because we're with you. We get it. We are solidarity. In. We sit in purgatory with you. <laughs> Todd Pergs. Woo! Well, we hope you are taking away some tips and tricks to get through this and just mostly reminders that you're not alone. You will get through it as much as you can take a step back. Remember what's really happening in your kids' lives and deal with it as much as you can with love and compassion. And it's all like brain stuff
1: that you've been through that you have made your way through. And here you are on the other side of it. Now you just got to help this little kid figure it out.
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's not easy. Oh, man. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. It's not easy, but it's so worth it. If you would, go ahead and throw up a rate or review uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to ToddlerPurgatory.com. You can listen to all of our episodes there. Oh, This is what? Our 41st one? We're in our 40s. We're in our... Oh, look at us. We're in our 40s and also our episodes are in their 40s. It's going to be a great stretch, y'all. Kismet. (laughs) Thanks. We'll see you next time. Take it easy.